Please pronounce your names correctly for me. I'm Mirav Kamel. And I'm Khalil Balabin. And where are you all from? Tel Aviv, Israel. Both of you? I was born originally in Tel Aviv and then moved to Jerusalem and then Tel Aviv again. Hopefully not for long. Yeah, and I grew up in a kibbutz, which is a kind of a socialist village between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. It's on the mountains. And... I lived there f- till I was 18. I grew up in a communal uh, education and then I moved to the desert for a couple of years to another kibbutz. And from then I moved to Jerusalem and I met Merav. And when, when did you all meet? It was in 2012 in the Bezalel Academy of Arts in Jerusalem. And you all produce your work together as, as a uh, collaborative group, basically, yes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we do uh, works or exhibitions alone, but uh, most of the time it's uh, collaborative, like as I do. Mostly conceptual collaborative work. I mean, it's not like we're standing together in, on top of the same paper, drinking juice and painting no I mean, you don't pass the brush to each other kind of thing uh, like, no we no. don't dis- do those uh, kind of surrealist uh, um, like, drawings or games and mostly just to yeah, ask ourselves exquisite corpse is what yeah, you say. Yeah, exactly. those, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah although the result can be uh, similar to the surrealist uh, Right. kind of stuff but it's not coming out of this like collaboration mostly it's really important for us and I think for the collaboration to work to have uh, the autonomy of each one and uh, like this strong connection of one with the material yeah yeah before every each project we just ask ourselves what will be the next project I mean if it will be like conceptual work with a subject or a a theme or something that we want to discover or is it going to be much more a uh, formalist uh, exhibition so maybe the the question will be in which material material we would like to work now so then it's just a, a question about how it's going to relate to each other in the end so mostly we exhibit the work so every work is separately but it's look like a one and serious that made by one artist so this current pieces that you're working on here are fabric and uh, sort of figurative in nature is this your general medium do you often work with fabric and uh, figurative sculptures uh, we have like when we started working together it was uh, with these kinds of work it was uh, originally for like craft markets uh, it wasn't like regarding to the To the serious art that we thought we should do in the in the academy <laughs> um, and then slowly we started to collaborate uh, also with more like serious conceptual works that considered art and slowly also the the dolls or like the soft sculptures became art um, and yeah now we have like this kind of circles of work so there is like this uh, dolls that we are doing every once in a while like this 
one uh, group of them for exhibition and there is like the drawing and the conceptual installations that uh, usually go around till now at least they went around the uh, biographical story like this was the trigger and then it flew to other stuff and it's usually also has a sound recording of -hmm. some interviews yeah you want to add Mm-hmm. Okay, so you all work in sort of, you think of the media that you want to produce something in and you sort of float between mediums. So you would generally be mixed media, multimedia, conceptual mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. Uh, current work being these fabric sculptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So when I met you all, we had uh, started an interesting conversation about the idea of like when you produce a, a work of art, the idea of sort of uh, building a career and the idea of like what is a definition of success? Mm-hmm. Because that's something that through this podcast I'm trying to do. And the, the word success is a bad word. It's a, it's a stigmatizing word. Mm-hmm. It's a charged yeah. word. Because when you say success in one way, it means to a certain extent you've sold out and done commercial work and you're not really being true to yourself. But different forms of success come in different ways. So help me out. Give me a definition of your ideas of sort of a, a variation of success, something that works for that word for you. I think this question is a question that we ask ourselves through our uh, career. I mean, in the start, when we, when we just began, so there was like the, a final exhibition of the academy. So, for example, we had uh, a big article that they wrote about us. So it was very sweet, I mean, to, to open the a main newspaper in the art section and see like a very nice article about your artwork. Oh, so reviews are great reviews yeah. are, you know, they build your confidence. Totally. And I mean, we got those several um, good reviews about our exhibitions after the Academy as well. But in certain point, I think it became meaningless because I don't know, in a, a long term, so the the work should work for you like i mean the the success is something that is not really it, it is something that build in in terms of the what our parents would think or what the the society will think and uh, our teachers and friends or what, whatever so the question is how to escape from it i think for me i mean it's not it's just a nice side effect but how to not let it affect you and create like a that you will be a drunk of the success sure it's not a goal it's just a nice side effect i would say interesting okay do you have the same opinion no <laughs> i think for me um first of all i feel more comfortable when i'm in, like a loser being a loser so i, I prefer being that in on that side usually side and um, also I feel that it's like not such a good drug or like, um, because it's not so satisfying. I mean, it is, of course, we all have ego and but I also a, have a big such, one. It's a short term uh, satisfaction. Yeah, satis- exactly. It's like so short and it's also not so, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it's important for me uh, to make a separation. I think that like being a wiser person is about uh, dividing uh, realities and to, to see what kind of success has a content that can be meaningful or what kind of success can help me 
arrange my life in a way that I want them to be and what kind of success isn't. So like money is nice because it can help me be more in my studio, which is what I love to do. As we and all do. Of course, yeah. And article is also very nice because it gives you content, if it's a meaningful article that's wrote by someone you appreciate. Um, but yeah. like prizes, it's beside the money, it's like kind of bullshit, in my opinion. Well, actually, um, which leads to an interesting question. Do you all enter a lot of competitions? Like, has that been something that you've been doing in your career? Uh, not a lot, though. You. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, in Israel, the, 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 like, the, there is a one prize for young artists or from the Museum of Tel Aviv that we're applying. And there is uh, some programs and grants. So, we, yeah, it's like part of our uh, daily artistic uh, pro- uh, work is to sometimes to sit and just doing open calls. Well, uh, and this is sort of part of my one of my big questions on this is mm-hmm. like, in the contemporary, it feels like, and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. in the contemporary art world, it feels like we ha- we as artists have to spend a lot of time, mm-hmm. more or less, like publicizing ourselves or mm-hmm. doing public relations a lot more than probably ever in the past. Yeah. Uh, then being in the studio and honing and mastering our skills and abilities, mm-hmm. we have to do a lot of social media. We have to write grants. We have to write proposals. We, you know, there's so much other stuff that it feels like is necessary these days to have a career that wasn't really true in the past. So like, how do you balance that? Like mm-hmm. the, with the amount of time and energy you have to put into social media, grant writing, residency writing, all these kinds of things with time and energy and money mm-hmm. to put towards producing of work. So I, I would say that the, the best time for do open calls and ask for grants, it's residency time because you have a lot of time. And so, so, you, so you use usually, your residency <laughs> time to apply for other things. Yeah. So this is how we got here. This is how we got here. It was because of our last residencies that was in Düsseldorf, Germany for half a year. So you basically have a lot of time. And then you can really build your schedule uh, to the future by just applying. But also, I would say that there is not such a lot of open calls. Like, I mean, which open is, calls... Which is a great thing because there are actually a lot of open calls, but they're not all quality. Yeah. I mean, like, they're not paying. Like, they're, they're, there is no funding and some of them uh, are not for free. So, we basically, yeah, we... We're applying just for residency with grants that are, are free. So that, that is the reason, for example, that we are not applying to the United States because they're asking for a fee in, for the... Yeah, for the application. For the yeah. application. Quite high one, like... Well, that's totally normal to me. Yeah, like to, to me, when you're saying like, oh, I'm applying for uh, an open call and stuff, I'm like, I'm sitting here in my mind going, my God, if they apply for three, like 10, 10 of them, that's $35 an application. That's $350. Like, where yeah. do they get that kind of money laying around to make all these applications? Mm-hmm. No, only but, the ones that are free. Okay, so there, so yeah. most of Europe like and, almost, and this region and this region in general seem to have free applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a bonus. Yeah, I would stay away from America just for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and you all have now actually you've been on I'll call it like on the road doing <laughs> doing your residencies for how long now? Like how long mm-hmm. have you been doing this? We've been now in Finland 
We came Beautiful in, uh, country. I'm not good with dates. Maybe okay, I should we, answer we were, this question. We, we have been to Finland <laughs> since June for a month till July. And now we are in Prague till the end of July. And we're going to Brno till the middle of September. It happened just by luck. You know, it's like a lottery game. It's not luck, though. You put the work in. You, you did yeah, the applications. I mean, you did the scheduling. Like, you don't don't act like it's luck. You, yeah. you actually were proactive in applying for these positions yes Maybe but it's still it's it's a combination because so. you cannot really know like we got the first we got the the residency in finland and we just they ask you for a date so it was just like a date in the year june sound nice to be in finland in the it's middle. better than december for sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then came the others. So the, the others, like in Prague, uh, we, it was a very uh, honest uh, application, I would say, because we got we got first uh, in a, a residency in uh, Brno, uh, which is a city two hours from uh, Prague. Uh, we're going to have there an exhibition. So the curator of this exhibition asked us if we would like to stay there for a residency before the exhibition. It's a group show. And then we just asked the artist here in the Pram studio, we send in very honest applications that we're going to be in Brno and we have some time to spend in Czech Republic and if they are, allow us to come and produce some works that relate to the environment or whatever. Well, that's incredibly proactive. I mean, th mm. that's not luck. You mm. actually, you thought through yourselves like, hey, mm. we're already in the Czech Republic. What other residencies could we go and do? I mean, you, you put the work and the effort mm. into doing mm -hmm. this. This is not luck. Many of the other people I've talked to about residencies in particular. So like I'm with you all, I'm very interested in like why and how you're doing these mm. residencies kinds of things, um, because it, it, not a lot of people can do it. it mm. They're very selective. They're very competitive and, and this kinds of things. And also it's a, it takes a certain lifestyle and a certain mm. maybe age that you're willing to do it and mm. able to do it. You know, mm. I'm assuming you all don't have children. Mm. Yeah. Cause that would make it a bit more difficult to do yeah, something mm -hmm. like this. So the question would be, um, when you're looking at residencies and things along this line, like what do you look for hmm. other than free applications? It's really simple as that. I mean, there is not really a lot of applications. Like there is the famous ones that we are applying to, the, the biggest in the Netherlands, the, the Rijks Academy, uh, Atelier, and it's also cost money, but yeah, I mean, it's... It was this probably, yeah. So. Yeah, and we didn't got it for two years already, but still we're applying there. Okay, well, but that's, see, like, even that's an interesting thing. Like, I'm trying to put myself in the mind of the people listening to this. So, mm -hmm. like, if I was an artist listening to this podcast, I like hearing that you have applied two years in a row for a particular residency. You haven't gotten it. Are you going to apply again next year? Yeah, I think also like the regarding to what you said before, like um, one thing that is like that helps us as a do as a couple mm -hmm. uh, with this residency is also the fact that when you're two, so it's easier not to like to give up the ego in a way and not to get so hurt and frustrated when you you're failing you're, oh yeah you're, i get like, hurt and frustrated all the time yeah. by myself like because <laughs> because it's basically somebody saying no to me yeah 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 it's much more personal yeah and it's also with us and I, I know the feeling because like from when i do stuff alone um so when you get like good reviews it's like brings you much more up and bad review it, it brings your ego like crash it and every day 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this is one uh, aspect uh, that it's good in working together. It's also and also like the fact that we can go together and I guess it can be less lonely mm-hmm. in the residency yeah. itself because it can be quite hard to uh, find new friends and to be alone all day in the studio in a foreign country for like six months or something. I guess yeah. it's also we, we can also drive ourselves crazy by ourselves, but. Usually it's okay. <laughs> yeah, which sort of begs the question, like, so do you choose, because uh, I know there are residencies where there are group experiences, where you're, you're there with people who work in other mediums mm-hmm. and things like that, and there are some residencies that are very much about solo practice, where basically you're just given a space and you're left alone. Mm-hmm. Do you have a preference on those? If so, why? <laughs> Till now it was, uh, so I will ask, answer this question, also the, the other question, because before you ask why we are applying to a certain uh, residency and not even though we don't get there this is a very high quality residency and also it's a long term residency it's for a year or two so that was the one in the, the, the one in the Netherlands yeah, yeah it's a post graduate residency so we're looking for 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 those but mo- many mo- most of the residency are for 3 months i will say one month and I would say that for us, we're looking for something that uh, it's not about uh, working with a group or it's mainly yeah, to be alone, to, to work, to have the quiet of uh, staying somewhere. Uh, usually they're asking for a project. I mean, you need to come up with a, an idea of to suggest something that you would like to develop and work. But for from what we experienced till now, so they are not expect you to do nothing. Basically, they know that you applied for the residency and you have an idea, but usually they, they're not even checking if you did it or not. So it's, I mean, it's just a very honor and generous um, idea, those residency. I mean, I don't know who is the guy that created it, but... It invented the residency. Inve- invented the residency, but it's... Mr. Residency. Mr. Right. Residency is yeah, a very... No, because it's very those rich people that decide to, you know, or rich corporations also yep. uh, could yeah, but to to support arts, you know, it's really something that people don't understand why it's very it's I mean, I come from America where it's it's a very it's not common to support the arts. Uh, oftentimes they do it only because, like specifically corporations and private people do it because it's tax deductible. So it's yeah. just like something they get, they get some benefit from it. That's why they do it, not because mm. they have a great love for the arts mm. or in culture even. I shouldn't just say arts, but in Europe it feels like it's a bit more traditional. It feels mm. like it's, there's a much longer, richer history of supporting arts and culture yeah. here than, and, and also in the Middle East and in Asia, there's, there's just a richer history to it but of course it's also older but it's also coming back to the question about success i think because it's really the question also why are you doing art if you do it for money or you do it for something that is beyond and if people cannot understand what is the things that is beyond art and why it exists and why people doing it, why people need to have time for it. And even though it's not help the community or not bringing, I don't know, the, the climate changing uh, and uh, answer. So it's just another thing that can be nonsense and bizarre in the world. And 
still have a value. So for us, it's very surprising that this program is still alive. You know, these uh, bubbles, zones that create all those um, very magical spirits for, for, for creating. And it's very, I would say it's very important because it's really hard, you know, when you are in the, in the daily uh, life for example, in Israel, it's like the bureaucracy, the politics, the parents, the family. They are all around. And it's, it's very surrounding and taking you down. I mean, it's like taking you to the cliché air. It's like the, the fresh air that above. You need to really seek for it. It's not something that it's coming uh, like an office daily worker. You need to do some rituals, some... I don't know, some, to change something in your life. And residency is, I guess it's a, a nice uh, open door to, to, to go into. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's also a way, I feel, for me um, to get rid of some uh, issues I have with, like, uh, this ego. Of, I don't know if I have, I think that, like, art communities have. So, so you have an ego or something? Of course I have. I think everyone has. <laughs> and I, of course I have as well. But I try to to stay above it or below it sometimes. And uh, and I think that the way to do it is really to stay focused in the work. That this is what's really interesting me and, and really satisfying me. And I, I try to think today in the morning from this talk, like what is about... Why do people want it, like success or like no? And I thought about like the the fact that we know that we are all gonna die, and that it has something to do with it. I, I've heard and, this idea before, actually. Yeah. The, yeah, the I idea guess that, it's that you want something to last that is a, is a representation mm -hmm. of your life after your death, yeah. kind of thing. So that kind of an idea. Yeah, yeah, I've heard this idea. And it's before. also, and then I thought that maybe it's not so. Um, like dirty or like I, I, thought, I felt at first I was this word because it's also like because this is also uh, connected to my need to do art or to write a thought that I just had or to it's like I know that I'm going to die one day hopefully not soon we all will yeah and even if I will have this success whatever or this bronze sculpture that can last ideally for I don't know how many years it doesn't really matter because it will all vanish away in the end, you know? So, but still, like, we have this need to stay a minute more with this thought, with this representation of us, with this text that I just wrote, one thought, or quotes for someone else. Like, it's really... So, yeah, I think this is why I said, like, before, about the, like, uh, dividing the ones that are, like, meaningful and the ones that it just doesn't really last long and not really satisfying and not really like help me to realize myself and the life around me more because I'm interested in the one that helps me and like the and some of them it's like uh, bureaucracy like I think you should do applications and stuff like this as bureaucracy like you're paying the taxes you, which is really hard I, I don't manage to do it because I have too much emotion involved like if right if you get a yeah which actually leads to one of my big like uh moments like in contemporary art, it, I feel like there's a lot of emphasis on the need to be able to write about your work. Mm -hmm. So create artist statements, create grant applications, residency applications, instead of putting it in the work or spending the time in the studio that you have to actually be able to eloquently 
express your ideas in writing when really visual artists have chosen to be visual artists because we can't express what we want in writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you, like, how do you, so like you personally, your, your things, how do you figure out how to really write those artist statements and write those applications eloquently? Because obviously you're having some success with this. Mm -hmm give us some some insight on that because like i'm horrible at it i feel that for me i think also for you maybe like writing is actually a tool or like so, something in an everyday life that i'm doing uh, we are doing uh, to understand myself better but sadly the format of this artist statement and proposal usually is not suitable for this kind of yeah, like rewriting they, that I do. To well, like they say myself. like, oh, yeah. 500 words or less, or so they, yes. they, they make you have to condense it down to some like utter thing that like, it doesn't give you enough space to really flesh it out, to really truly express your ideas. Yeah. So how do you do it? What's your... It has like, I think it's like, uh, has some paragraph that uh, we took from stuff we once seriously thought about uh, art or wrote in, my, in our notebooks in like this in moment full of inspiration. Um, but then it's like digested so much time into more and more and more application. Yeah, it's, it's like starting to die and it's really, it's quite depressing. I think that it's really sad that artists are not able, like the, that we are not challenging the formats. Yeah, but challenging the format, it's also uh, take a lot of energy and yeah. And I mean, to sit down and write for every application and you and fresh and authentic artist statement for the moment, uh, it can be, I don't know, it's really, uh, it can be a challenge, depressing. maybe it can be a piece of art, but yeah, but yeah it's, it's became, I, I mean, it's scary because really words have some meaning. And I think that when you write words, when you talk about your art, you suddenly compress yourself uh, into a, an object and into a product by yourself. And artists, it's, it's not a product. Art, artist is something, it's like a human being. I mean, every human being, it's, uh, it's a huge... Uh, uh, essence, I think? Essence. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's a good word. So, uh, I don't know. It's really sad to find those fresh words to describe your works like a lot of time artists uh, ask to come and to join a group show about something and you know it's like they they know that you're doing dolls so ah let's do something we're doing a, a exhibition about the relationship between arts and craft for example but then you immediately feeling that they compress your your, your art and your thought to in one zone and, and put you into a ghetto. Oh, the, and the industry loves to pigeonhole artists. Mm -hmm. Like you all are now the doll makers. Like yeah. somebody is a photographer, somebody is a painter. Like mm -hmm. they, even though they work in multiple mediums and multiple disciplines, but the industry loves being able to just put one little thing saying you're this. Yeah. And then you become uh, the label of yourself and yeah. <sighs> How, how, how to be able to liberate it and to open it. So yeah, it's also the, the same question to how to resistance and how to, 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 to able to, to get, go against the success, against the market, against the compress of yourself. 
and it's hard because laziness it's really a comfortable uh, couch and to sit in a couch and do the same and think the same and say the same words and uh, even though you you repeat yourself uh, but you get success so it's really fine it's eating you and sooner or later you will be bored of it I, I think sure so. but that what you just said I, I found a little there's a little tidbit in there that I, I want to ask you about when you're doing your applications okay mm-hmm. like when I was in school my teachers used to teach me come up with a, an artist statement and it's your just your boilerplate it's your, like your standard artist statement and then you can just copy it into all your different applications mm-hmm. and stuff like this I don't feel like that's true anymore. I feel like now you really have to tailor your artist statement to the application. It, it, not, not dramatically, but, but you can't just literally like write one artist statement and just copy and paste it into every single application mm. for everything. You, you do have to adjust it somewhat. Yes? No? I, I also think you should, but to be honest, I don't, it's not what we were doing. We are, so you do. So you write just one statement of, and then yeah. you like use it again. We just copy it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fine. yeah. Like we have some paragraphs that it's like, oh, here we need 200 words. So we do like the short one. We cut some paragraph. And if we have a longer, so we have the bigger one. Okay. We're like, kind like of a, lazy. We have like this pamphlet and then we're just <laughs> applying uh, quite a lot, I think. Compared to other artists, I think. And I'm horrible about it. I wish I was better. Put, yeah, but we're just doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, this is something Khalil taught me. I think I can, uh, like, because I'm really perfectionist in my original state, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so, and we had a lot of arguments at first and still do sometimes, like about, uh, I'm like, no, no, this word, it's not correct. And, oh, it's fine. And I, I want to add this serious idea that I had and I just thought this thing and maybe it can I'm go I'm a solo in, artist and, and I sit there and do the same thing yeah. just by myself. So, maybe so it doesn't you can, take two people to do You can take him that. a bit, he will help you just to send it, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's very useful, like, it's, but maybe this balance is good. Maybe we get the residencies or the um, opportunities that put more... Um, mind about like the words the works themselves are not about the words because i feel like uh, we're not that kind of artist and it's sad for me to say it again because i think that we do have some thoughts that maybe are not the best the most genius ones but uh, like um, there is this layer of verbal issues that would like to be like beside the the work yeah but it can be very interesting to publish a book with artist statement because it's really something that remains after like most of the artists are not writing i mean but it's very interesting like i mean i i love to read what mike kelly wrote you know and artists it's um, louis bourgeois those artists left some knowledge and were very um generous to the other artists and i think the combination between writing and I will say the artificial in a way because artist writing can be super interesting and I find it and it can be complete bullshit and it can be complete bullshit because they read too much text in the museums but this is text that wrote by other people and not artists but if you're reading a artist uh, text so I don't know, you can find a lot of jewelries inside. I mean, it's really something that I, I try to do. Like, I really love to read some interviews and 
to find uh, stuff that I find it open-minded. Like, this is my, uh, my community, I will say. You know? So if you have the ability to get into other consciousness through words and not just by works, uh, plastic works, so it sometimes helps to get uh, in contact, I would say. Yeah. I wish to, read, uh, to, to write more and about our art, but yeah, somehow it just became very, for very main things. So I don't know, maybe in the future we'll uh, keep on writing. I feel that one, like maybe the problem is, like with the problem I have with most of the texts about art is that they, they uh, were written or written, uh, we read them usually, as uh, as if it can be a translation to a work of art and not something um, that just like another layer that may be not even connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like I, I do, one of my jobs actually, I do online portfolio reviews for photographers. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always trying to encourage them that the the text should be something that if you looked at the entire series of work, you would you know you understand it once you see all of the work together, and it sort of got its own cohesion. And then the text that should be with it should, in some way, offer some insight that they could not get by just looking at the art, and somehow elevates the art in some way to, to make it give it a little bit more gravitas, possibly like more personal, like like some personal statement or story that you cannot physically just simply can't put in the art, or some emotional gravitas kind of thing some something to make to to make the people appreciate and in d- desire to inc- engage in the work mm-hmm. in a, at a different level like to me that's what a statement should be because then the statement elevates the work instead of just sort of intellectually states like oh i did mm-hmm. this because of my belief in freudian whatever like you know uh, my my love of louise bourgeois like you know that's a bit pompous in many ways I, mm-hmm. I i feel like that they should they should be the statement and the art should be cohesive and they should be mm-hmm. they should stand on their own sort of as a single piece mm-hmm. in a perfect world yeah mm-hmm. yeah but the a, world's not perfect <laughs> yeah certainly not yeah in a perfect world the, the text would be a work of art by itself and it would be like like two works of art sit alongside each other yeah like complement each other and, and yeah, yeah and maybe yeah. even not <laughs> Just sitting there. <laughs> so the two of you all are working as a team, as a duo. How easy or difficult can that be? So the the process of working together started as a way to to make it like a new area in our uh, own work. I mean, like every each one of us have his own uh, creativity. Uh, conceptual works but somehow it felt like um, very limited in a way like you really find that there is a border uh, of your skin of your uh, thinking of your ability of your gift that you got from God or whatever and then the idea of collaborate together was to maybe open it and to, to be able to do something that usually when you are alone you are not able to so it started actually with the dolls. I mean, uh, we collaborate just with the fabric works. And then it's just uh, suddenly uh, come into our, our old works. I mean, uh, we had a uh, big exhibition, uh, conceptual about uh, a life story. 
of um, a prisoner that sat in jail and we decided to tell his life story uh, through uh, um, uh, etching and uh, interviewing and uh, we took some photo of him under the water of his uh, childhood pool and it was a very interesting project. The very nice part of it was that we did it together. I mean, maybe the, the idea is that we're going to meet a prisoner and to meet him alone can be a bit scary. So to go together was somehow uh, easily. And somehow the idea of it also bring out some new ideas that didn't were, that was not there when we just started the project. And I still believe in that uh, topic of collaboration bring out like more choices and more creativity more uh, knowledge into it so actually i have a little question along mm -hmm. that line now you all are a couple mm -hmm. were you a couple first then a duo of artists or did you work together as artists first and then the couple came second the couple came before couple came first yeah. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually it started when we were uh, making, like sewing some uh, gift to each other. Mm. Um, and then we just sat and like did these creatures in our studio and in the studio in Bezalel Academy and at night. And it started to become like this assemblage. And yeah, it just, I feel more like it just happened, <laughs> you know. But we, then we also, like now we're in this time of more like, or in the previous years, like uh, since it started this collaboration that we need to think each time, like, is it now, uh, wh what is it now? Like, but it's more like, it's also, it's not so much about thinking what it is, more like listening to what it is now that we, we should do. Like, um, do we continue with this doll making or try to take some like stuff that's annoying me in my mind or whatever like some some questions about something and try to find some solutions or um, in art or um and also yeah i think about like the interesting thing to me about this uh, exhibition you talked about and some others that are more like serious than the uh, soft sculptures is that we have this topic this like uh, frame of idea and then each one of us needs to uh, plug into it from some from his perspective or her or mine uh, so it's like uh, and i think that this plugging in is make the world also it's like kind of hard sometimes because you it's like to watch him like to you need to connect to someone else it's like really about to, to lose yourself in a way and find yourself after losing yourself but if you manage to find yourself after losing yourself, and if we both do it, so like in the moment when it happens, so I feel like the works has its own uh, ego or its own life, and then it can be more, um, hopefully it can communicate to the viewer as well. I mean, because it's, it has like the communication between us. In, in those moments, I think also we're not talking so much during the, like about the ideas, it's, it's a lot of uh, like talking about materials or talking about the work itself and not so much about like this. Uh, the concept. Yes, yeah, so or like stuff you would think that would be end up in artist statement. 
Now, you're currently doing what I would consider reasonably small-scale works that I'm seeing here. And that, a lot of that, I'm sure, is because you're on a residency and, and so that you have to transport these things and this kind of stuff. So do you foresee in the future potentially like working at different scales and then different you know, uh, weight <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, these are incredibly like sort of almost perfect for doing residencies because mm-hmm. you can sort of put them in a bag and transport them and they're mm-hmm. generally still in good condition. But do you have desires to do bigger or, or different work or is this really actually the work you want to be producing? Uh, about the doll specifically, um they are growing up slowly now if we will continue doing them who knows but yeah now this is the right size for them i feel uh, it's also very convenient with the residency but like now because also like circumstances are like something that it's part of now of what should be and beside this we do have like works that are bigger and like big drawings that cover the whole walls or the, the installation works are more big but uh, Maybe we'll grow more. Who knows? Yeah. The perfect it's solution is that you have a. If you can find collector that's going to buy all your work after the residency, it can be <laughs> the most nice. Thing. That is always the perfect. The nice perfect dream. solution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I think <laughs> it's important, like to to think to listen to the circumstance, to what is possible, like not to push it and do like these crazy productions, you know, when it's just don't fit the situation, because then the work would be bad usually. Yeah. To what I feel like. You do this crazy production simply because you have the resources, but then like once the residency is done, what do you do with it? You yeah. put it in storage. And also a lot of artists do those crazy production because they have this fantasy and then they don't have the resources and they spend this money on this material and then they throw it away because they don't have where to store it. And then they also take care so much on this material because they spend so much money on it and they and then they, like they don't, they're not free enough to do the what you should do with material in the studio to be free and Yeah, it's fine. I just had the same conversation and... with somebody else this morning about the the preciousness of material itself. Like mm-hmm. if an artist goes out and buys very expensive paint brushes even let's say or paint itself or a, a you know a linen canvas instead of a canvas canvas like there's a there's a instilled fear that that sort of starts as soon as your 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 material your source material is precious to you you're sort of you become afraid of damaging it or wasting mm-hmm. it or something like this so do you all it looks to me pardon i'm sorry if i'm wrong on this but it looks to me like you don't use very expensive material like as far as the actual physical material of mm-hmm. the, the the dolls it seems like it's a you know a middle range it's not, you know you're not using silks and satins and very expensive materials mm-hmm. kinds of things mm-hmm. there's not a preciousness to them that, that so is, does that allow you for a certain amount of freedom that potentially like more expensive materials might create a little tension or fear actually we started with a found fabrics so <laughs> yeah. this is the the next level that we start to buy our fabrics but uh, fabrics are not very expensive so it's really easy and usually the works that we're doing are not uh, taking a lot of kilometrage of uh, fabric so it's yeah usually um, with those kind of works uh, it's not very expensive although like if you working like one of the best um, things that one of my teacher told me when immediately after I finished my studies was to take like a, a lot of money and go to an art shop and just buy whatever I like because 
sometimes when you're buying just one very expensive uh, form so it's it's really like so you have this uh, fear of uh, destroyed but if you have like a lot of them so you don't care it's just like there and I think it's just another way to create motivation in yourself mm. to have those uh, things that you like to spend money on and art is a great thing to spend money on so yeah and now do you all have uh, galleries do is mm. there any place people can find your works um, but also the question would be if you don't have a gallery which mm -hmm. do you want gallery we actually we had a gallery before a year ago we decided to leave it we immediately after we finished our study we we came into the gallery with a bag full of dolls and they look at it and they said wow it's amazing okay we will give you like an a work a, like a project room exhibition so it was in the background but it was all a, a cell and then they was very, there was a big success with the small exhibition we had so uh -huh. they invite us to do a bigger exhibition and and then we worked with them for uh, maybe three or four years and then we decided to quit uh, immediately after we had a show in uh, Miami in the in the art fair there and the reason was that we felt that we are a bit we became a bit sleepy in a way of our own career in a way because you really expect that the gallery will take care about your selling and about your connection to museums and about your success in uh, outside of Israel but actually it was a great decision so I really recommend because recommend to have a gallery when you're beginning because it really give you a platform to have an exhibition and to meet some artists that are in the galleries became friend of us and help us in other situation and it's like it's giving you a context in a way but um, since we felt that the galleries not serve, serve our uh, own passions we decided to work alone and then we find out very nice thing about selling is that the intimacy connections with the uh, collectors it's very important because when you're working with the gallery so usually the collectors are coming they buying your art and then you don't know nothing about them you don't know who they are and the work is gone you got the money but it's not worth it because when you know a collector you know somebody that bought you a work of you even though he's not a collector he's just an art uh, whatever like there, there, there is a curator that bought art from us for germany and he's keep on buying art from us and it's it's like a, a, a relationship that this make the career in the end so i think uh, it was a very good decision to to leave the gallery also money uh, we sell much more when now when we are alone because i i believe that i don't know artists are much more interesting than gallerists in a way like maybe the biggest gallery can have a lot of collectors but for me i, I don't know when you met somebody you have a it's it's became a, an authentic relationship and i just 
and that's the conversation that I keep having over and over with galleries and curators and, and artists is that it's about relationships and it's about the story behind not just the art mm -hmm. because a lot of artists they feel that they make an object, they put it in public, people like it or they don't, there you go, you mm -hmm. buy it. But in the reality, most collectors are buying the, a piece of art because it, they love the piece of art, but they also love the story behind the art, mm -hmm. and they also respect the artists themselves. That the, when a when a collector chooses to collect an art, an artist, they're investing their 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 love and their passion for the art by supporting the people behind the art mm -hmm. as much as they are the piece itself. So it's that that whole relationship, the connection between the work, the idea of the work, and the people behind it. It, that's very uh, instrumental in creating that whole connection. Yeah, I feel like that um, more than like it's true, of course, what you said. Uh, but for me personally, like to know this thing and then like to try and play this game, it's impossible because once I know that I have uh, interest of being in contact with someone, or I don't know, that I need to talk to him because da 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 and whatever. So I become, I freeze and I get like really awkward and weird and. It's not good. Uh, so, we, so then you must be the good with the, the that kind <laughs> of stuff. More. You're no, the salesperson then. I I don't know. I'm not salesperson, but uh, both of us are not. It's just. Um, well, I mean, I'm fascinated. Okay, you say that you have sold more since you left the gallery mm -hmm. than with the gallery. I probably, as much as everybody listening to this podcast, would probably love to know how are you doing that social media, websites, doing residencies, making connections, going to parties, going to mm -hmm. events. What is it? What's your trick? Um, I'm going to go back to the, I don't know if it's, it's, it's like a personal trick. It's not really a trick, you know, it's not the trick. Okay, but what's, like, uh, what's, your, to, what, what's your technique? Yeah, it's, to me, it's like to forget that I have, uh, in that I should get something out of this person and just, Mm. be amazed that there is this person that for some reason is interested in or not interested but there is a person and people are interesting yeah and so humility and being humble uh no or even not just like i think it's mysterious that people can buy stuff that it's i don't get it you know why they want it most of the time it's super weird and i think it's interesting that it's happening and it's 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 like uh, almost I don't know. I just try to see them as person, <laughs> although we have this gap of uh, um, like where we came from and we are from a completely different background. And sometimes I feel like that the different styles of living is um, is really like in there for me. But then I just forget about it and I just, okay, it's a person, I talk to him and to okay. her. And then it's interesting and then it, it goes well, you know? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you're just interested in someone and then well, like he's said, interested it's, it's as well and it's connection. like this. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And sometimes it don't work, like you don't have chemistry or something and, and the conversation is not interesting and okay, it's like with relationships. So. Yeah, and that person end up not buying your work because yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, they, they. It happens most of the, like most of the time. Really? People don't buy your work, of course, you know. Well, you, you never yeah. know about the times people don't buy your work. You know about the people times people exactly. do buy your work. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many people in the world, you know, oh, wow. most of them. But one of the tips that I can recommend that we find out that once in a year or once in a while, we just send a PDF with a new mm -hmm. piece of art to our yeah. like people that bought from us in the past. 
and it's really surprising because people buy it just by watching your new works from pictures you know so uh, somehow it's very good and the other things that we find out that is very good is to do exhibitions i mean it's somehow much better than to leave your work in the studio. There's an old sort of saying, like the most amazing piece of art ever made in the world that was not shown to anybody. Did it even exist? Hmm. I mean, to a, to a certain extent, art must be engaged by the public. So if you make an amazing piece of art in your studio and you never show it to anybody, does it even matter? Yeah, hmm. Hmm. yeah we have this need to. It has to. Mm -hmm. We have this need to express ourselves and to like to synchronize the inside and outside of ourselves to yeah, let but, it be seen so but although it's very like there is one artist in israel that's showing once in seven years but you have a great amazing exhibition installations that you can really feel that every piece of detail have a lot of intention and and, and thinking and it took it to the edge you know and sometimes to rush and do stuff just because I don't know, you want another line in the CV or you want to sell some, it's, uh, I don't know, it's worthless because you need to realize, okay, now I'm in the point that I need to have uh, time to be a monk in uh, in my studio and even not to produce works. It's just like time to, to, to see, to, 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 to build yourself again, to become uh, again uh, uh, to refresh everything, to do restart. And sometimes, the, um, I don't know, to go on the wave of ex exhibitions, it's very... Um, Seductive. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, to also to, to say no, it's, it's good sometimes. I think, I, I feel now it's my, for me, it's a time to, to have a, a, a little bit uh, time for myself and go into the cave, you know, like in the Kabbalist uh, Jewish uh, um, mystics. So usually the Kabbalists, when they're looking for a new uh, spiritual feeling, so they're going into the caves. They're going into the... So the cave can be like some kind of a, a studio. So there, there is a nice story, for example, about uh, the Rashbi, which was he, he and his son went to the, to the cave and they sit there for 10 years uh, under the ground they had just the head on top of the ground and they were sitting and reading the bible naked uh, under naked the under the ground so why would you be closed underground yeah. that's fine <laughs> yeah it, but it's just you know another bizarre ritual that artists need to do sometimes to fresh themselves I, I, so i believe the exhibition it's like to go out of the cave but if you go out of the cave and you don't have nothing, it's like a balloon. It's just like empty. It's empty of, of meaning and it's, it, it's finally you, you will feel empty. For me now, it's the time to go back to the cave. And well, you've, you've been it. doing like, you know, creative, creative, creative. You're doing residency, residency, residency. Mm -hmm. You've been mm -hmm. producing, producing, producing. And sometimes you just have to stop producing mm -hmm. and sit back and think and mm -hmm. look back over your, what you did and you know, look at the potential ideas of where you have to go. Uh, a lot of people who don't work in the arts industry think that artists literally just are inspired every day and they just go in and work or they're the tortured artists mm -hmm. that like don't make anything for months or years on end and then suddenly explode with this new series. But 
it, it, it's a balancing act. Like you, you, you can be creative for a certain amount of time and you have to sort of ref, be reflective for a certain amount of time. You can't just constantly be producing yeah. because otherwise you're not, you're not evolving. Like you, you have to sit back, look at what you've done, look at where you want to go, what you want to produce in order to you know, get to that next level of your ideas, your concepts, your techniques, your whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the, a precious time that, uh, like, for example, you talk about uh, materials, that people spend a lot of money on material and then they're afraid to touch them. But I, I, I feel that sometimes I'm afraid of my time. So I want to go back into a little, a little bit more about the, the nature that you all had, the thing that most artists, practicing artists, desire, which is gallery representation. And you have chosen intentionally to leave that sort of almost security and, and, and desirable thing. And you're doing it on your own. How are you doing it on your own? Why did you choose to do that? I said it before. I mean, like, we, we were a bit sleepy. And the reasons that you need to find a place for an exhibition and to find people that will support your art and buy it. And it actually releases you to be more uh, active. And in that case, it's, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's just bring new energy into the every daily work. So... We find it nice. Then, then how are you doing it? So like now you're you're actually selling your own work. I mean, like a, like a nuts and bolts. How are you doing it? Because a lot of artists, you know, make sit in their studio and then at the end of the day, they're like, "How can I sell this?" So how do you say you? So do you do it through mostly through exhibitions? Do you do it through residencies? Like how do you connect with your potential uh, buyers, collectors, whatever? Mostly like exhibitions and yeah. so we invite, like we send them emails and invite them and the collectors we know and also like uh, if they cannot come so we will send them PDF of the works and yeah like the PDF it's a new no, thing but that you, we... But usually we don't, we don't invite uh, people to our studio. Yeah, to it's our studio we don't like we to, don't do. to we don't <laughs> We don't find it very successful to sell inside yeah. the studios for some reason. Actually it never happened. Okay. People bought just in exhibitions and outside of the studio for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe because we're so messy. I don't I know. I think a lot of artists <laughs> make, like, stylize their studio, you know, to make it look super cool. And oh, nice. no. Trust and me. I our go studio into st- is like... No, no. I go into studios everywhere. It's not stylized. As no, like stylized, like a mess, stylized mess. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but right? not like really. Like it's nonchalant and yeah. then like... The, the casual they, looking, but yet yeah. messy. Or maybe it just comes out naturally for them. Like I think our mask is not that pretty, maybe. Or <laughs> I don't know, this is how I feel at least. Okay. I, I believe that the, the studio is like a, another zone that you need to be very careful who you bring it yeah. into. So for me, it's just another place that uh, I really try to, to, to separate it from the market. And... For some reason, I don't like it. I really don't like when people come into the studio. Like, there is the time that, okay, there is an exhibition, the work go out. There is the secret that now everybody's know. But before that, it's just a secret and we're looking for it. Also, um, curators, usually we prefer to meet them in cafe and to sit and talk and not to yeah. to, to bring, in, bring them into the process because... Those uh, kind of uh, advices people 
I usually make you more um, confused. Yeah. yeah, self-conscious even. Yeah, almost. and and uh, I think the confusions, like to be confused, is very good in art. To not know if the answer is that or that. So when somebody is came and tell you, ah, this is looking very good. So now is the answer. It's too good. But before that, you 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 didn't knew. You had the feelings that maybe I need to keep on working on that and. Uh, maybe because next year we're going to have a uh, residency that we're going to have two rooms of studio in Israel in Tel Aviv, and we thought maybe to separate it like the, like like it was in the in Paris in the 19th century that there was the the like the the place that they invite the people yeah, the salon the salon yeah. and yeah. there there is the background mm-hmm. so to create a front and background which be like a fake. A place of how art studio should look like. You're gonna stage it, like <laughs> yeah. make it make yeah, it look yeah. stylized, exactly. sort of studio look. Yes. Yeah, and behind it can be the the, the real secret. Uh, also, if we talk about Kabbalah, for example, it was an illegal um, books, so the, the the Jews were not allowed to read them and to uh, study them. So the Kabbalah people uh, created the fake books. Kabbalah fake books that so people will, would took them and read read them and so they thought okay this is the real Kabbalah books which was the real Kabbalah was the the books that was undercover the okay so, so keeping things hidden for me yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, like this process are like super fragile you, like you need to listen very very carefully to mm. what it wants to be become and and in order to be brave in taking those decisions or in like going to where the works want to go, so you need to listen very carefully. And then when someone penetrates the studio or your mind, it's really like it breaks everything. You know, it breaks the listening and it so makes so you, much noise that it's impossible to, to hear. Yeah, so you don't want anybody to, outside of the two of you, obviously, to mm-hmm. be involved or in, in any way influence your process. Mm-hmm. But once you put it in public you have a finished exhibition product whatever you want to call it that's when you want feedback but you 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 do not want feedback mm. in the process yeah not at all i mean <laughs> it's really not necessary it's really something also for us every in every exhibition usually we sit down and write a little bit about our own works to explain ourselves sometimes it's really like a like when you're studying in the academy, you, you have the feelings that you bring in and work, and then the professor is coming and explain you what actually you did, which and then you you can't really follow your own language of saying what was your idea or sometimes I feel that like you have the this uh, talking with your unconscious, so the the process it's really unknown process and then when it's coming to the final points and that you have an exhibition so you can really sit down and understand what you did so for us it's also something that is that is really important to sit down and to write first of all to ourselves before the newspaper will come and the viewers and the collectors and everybody to write for ourselves what we did what is it so do, do you all do, uh, are you all sketchbook people or journal people? Do you, like, you know, journaling, diary, whatever you call it. Um, do you all do that? Everything. Yeah. yeah. Every day? Uh, every day. Yeah. Is, yeah but I, I mean, we're writing Something. a lot and we 
drawing and you know, sketch. So, some people are huge sketchbook users and journalers mm. and some people are not. So I'm always interested to see sort mm. of like who does use mm. journals and sketchbooks as a uh, practice in their art process and who doesn't. Do both of you sketch and journal or do like one of you sketch more, one of you journal more? I have, I recently, I separated my uh, sketchbooks like a few years ago. So I have now the ones of the drawings, like uh, watercolor drawings that I, they're like really, really intuitive drawings uh, just to find out like how am I doing today, every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the writing sketchbook. And I think that my writing is more, it's not really like a diary. It's like I have a thought and then, and I've tried to figure out some ideas uh, usually. and they're a bit more mystical, maybe, or philosophical, like ideas. It's just and for you. Nobody. The, yeah, yeah. There yeah. Are, and I, I think it's really hard to read them. Maybe this is what I try to say. Like that it's really uh, not communicative to someone else, and sometimes not even for me when I go back reading them. Um, yeah, there, there's a, a lady. Um, oh, crap. I'm going to be horrible and forget her name. But uh, she's got this book called The Artist Way, where she actually recommends writing three pages in a journal every day. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, you can just be sitting there going, I, have, I don't know what to write, I don't know what to write, I don't know mm-hmm. what to write. It doesn't matter. Fill up three pages of text every single day um, because it'll just cleanse your mind of like whatever's weighing you down. And then you can go into the studio sort of free and open without the weight of the, the these thoughts because now you've put them out on paper mm-hmm. so uh julia cameron Ju- julia cameron mm-hmm. yeah the artist way so i mean that's why i wonder about journaling because the, it's a big thing i mean like you look through art history like lots of artists have like journaled and sketched and done all these kinds of things so the question is like is it still relevant now like do, do people still do it is it still beneficial to the practice I believe that every medium is relevant. Yeah? Like if you're using your uh, phone camera, it's not matter. It's just like something that. Uh, Be careful! I'm a photographer. Yeah. I'm not sure a phone camera that's <laughs> that's on the edge for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you are very drunk in a party and you need to film something. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But is that art? I'm not in those kind of questions, but uh, I mean in the sketch questions like how to sketch your ideas yeah so how to find a way up to the um, to clean your mind or to catch some ideas or whatever so well actually something i haven't asked you all do you all have other jobs like other income mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay well, what else do you do to subsidize all this let's say yes so i'm teaching <laughs> as well do you do uh, anything else as well. yeah i'm teaching in the academy now it's enough now. Well, as I said, like we talked a little bit off air, but the, the, the some people take jobs that are complementary to their artistic practice. Some people take jobs that are contradictory to their ar- artistic practice. So you find that it, it's sort of helpful and uh, helps with your entire uh, creative process by having a job that is similar to and complementary to your art. I find it very like inspiring and, and like like that it's the same one of the same system of life like you said like that it's like i want my life to be around this thing and uh, i get a lot of uh, inspiration from my student and from hearing myself as a teacher or yeah. as someone that asking questions and and it's really important for me to my self-confidence and someone who can stand there and uh, like manage something 
this uh, space of class, mm -hmm. um, which is similar, different, but similar to the space of studio or an, or an exhibition. Uh, but at the same time, I find it really um, energy consuming. I mean, I dream quite a lot about my students and I think about them quite <laughs> a lot, <laughs> a bit too much. And I think that like, I see all the issues like that are not regarding art necessarily. Oh, and I see them so strongly. And it really takes my energy. Yeah, you, it, like you see, like they're having trouble at home or with finances or something, and it's really hard because, like, you kind of can't talk about that because you're a teacher, not a psychiatrist. Yeah, I become psychiatrist. Yeah, now, but yeah. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> but, you have to play psychiatrist with yeah. with art students because uh, they're sometimes they need to find a way to take some struggles they're having in their private lives and and sort of maybe manifest it in their work or or, or resolve it or work with it or work through it through their work. Yeah, and it's all super connected, like their art and their life. And I think this is why, like, the boundaries between the personal and the more professional uh, work we're doing as art teachers are like a bit blurred and this is why we need to be super careful also because we have a lot of power um but it's also but i think that it's dangerous that being so careful won't uh, we won't won't let ourselves give them something or listen to them to the stuff that we can't touch and should touch and should be touches a bed Sure, yeah, don't never say touch. Don't touch your students. <laughs> I mean, never, no. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I do, but the listeners might not. Yeah, so, exactly. No, no, she does not sadly, touch her students. <laughs> a lot of other people, teachers, don't understand it, don't know it as well. Yeah, yeah, but I find it, uh, it's, it's an amazing job. It's really important. Same for you? Yeah, I like it. It's nice. The teaching, it's very, I mean, in the academy, it's super nice. Like I, I, I was teaching students, a young student in school. Uh, for me, it was too much. Yeah, I, I really felt like a clown. I, I really felt that I, I, I'm standing in front of 20 or 30 students and need to make them to, that they need to be interesting in what you're saying. And usually they are not. And they uh, to make them paint, and usually they don't like to paint, and they don't have any patience to do something that you tell them to. So I really suffered. So with students that decide to come and study uh, fine arts, it's much more easier. And from year to year, it's just become more and more natural and authentic. And I allowed myself to come and improvise much more. So it's really nice. And, but beside that, I believe like about your question with jobs, that it's really like important to tell students in fine arts that there is no money, and there is no job, and most of the people will have no uh, exhibitions or money to pay the rent or studios. And I really believe to find a, another second job can be very, uh, it can be fair. I mean, like the dream of being an artist and you see your teachers teaching you is that you can do whatever you want and just live your life and will be okay. It's just, it's fake. So, I don't know, for me it's very sad to see all the people that didn't manage to really find another thing that they can make money of. And 
but uh, I will say that uh, what kind of things you, uh, I will tell people to make money of, you know, this is creative people. So if they, they are really creative, so just to use their creative energy to think how to make money in the same. Which, which actually leads to one of my final questions that mm-hmm. I ask everybody, which is if you had some advice about like basically how to be quote unquote successful mm-hmm. in the, in the arts industry, what kind of experience, what the kind of, um, things can you offer due to some, some mistakes you made? So, so some failures, some mistakes or some sort of advice or something, you know, to, to like telling people to get a job within the, you know, that, that also assists in their creativity or something like this. So, so some sort of you know, final advice that you can give to mm-hmm. aspiring artists. And it, as I said, like it can also be a negative, like watch out for this. Don't do this. Mm. Don't fall prey to these people kind of things. I, I would say that don't go to too much openings in your own country. Like in other countries, it's very nice because you don't know the people. But in your own small country, it's really sucking a lot of energy. Like all the Facebook and the openings and the people... And nothing is growing up of it. I mean, nothing. It's just wasting of time and energy. And uh, you're just becoming another banal artist that try to be success hipster artist that dressing well and cool. And I really believe that artists are bizarre creatures that need to be alone and doing weird stuff. So... Do you feel the same way? Yeah, actually, I thought something quite similar, <laughs> surprisingly, because we are not that similar usually. Uh, but yeah, I also and also like uh, to continue this line of thought, like um, yeah, don't like don't follow what everyone does. Like in Israel, so all the artists live in Tel Aviv and spend so much money on the rent and the rent of the studio, and then they work all day to cover the cost, and then they don't have time to make money, and then they go to openings, and they waste more time and more time. It's like this circle of, so like just arrange your life by the way you, like I want to do, I, I'm still, I will talk about me, because I'm still <laughs> figuring this, this is out, your you know? time, though. This yeah. is the podcast is talking about you and your choices, so Yeah, just because I can't talk about myself and not about others, but yeah, like to, to I try to find like the, way I want to live so I found out that I prefer not to spend much money and like I don't have to buy new clothes or eat in a good restaurant or whatever if I can work less and have more time to drink my coffee slowly in the morning and to wake up slowly and to sit in the studio staring like this is how I want to live so like I hope that in the future I won't be living in an expensive place and in this or like, I don't know, now nature looks like something, I, somewhere I want to be because, uh, yeah, and, and like to use art for how I want to ma- arrange my life and not the opposite necessarily, like, because this is part of life and, I don't know, we live once or twice <laughs> by the song of Nancy not no, we live once. So like to, to use it uh, carefully and not to like get hooked on some holograms of uh, cool styles and the matrix success yeah. uh, like these things i also have like i see super cool people that dress up amazingly and i'm like ooh, but it's bullshit it's not the right thing my last question that i ask everybody and this is going to be new because you haven't heard this 
part of the podcast is that I am seeking advice from you all. So from everybody I talk to, but in this case, from you all. I will, along the process of every podcast that I do, I will be doing a, a little subset podcast, a little smaller one, that it will be a quantifiable result of this podcast because the idea is to learn how the art industry works. So what I'm trying to do is figure out how the art industry works well enough that I can get a piece of my artwork in the Museum of Modern Art on exhibition. So, and, and what I'm going to do is every advice that I get, I will do it. And I will keep everybody involved with all the different uh, failures and successes that I have from the advice that I get. So what's your advice on just, it, it's not a end result. It's just a step in the process. What is something that you believe can help me to get to the, to, in the direction of uh, having a piece of my art on exhibition in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City? <laughs> I feel like saying so many weird things that because I want to see you doing them, you know, but... Oh, thank you. Okay, so you wanted to send it, yeah. No, well, but so, you're, you're so nice, I don't want well, to but be, so, so, some, No, some people have told me to go be arrested for my art. Oh, okay. uh, some people have told Oh, me, I wasn't. Some people have said just walk into the Museum of Modern Art with a nail and a hammer and actually just put it up and hang it mm -hmm. up and then there you go, I'm there. Yeah. So like people have given me some very odd ways to do it and some people have taken it very seriously, so... Just, to, but as I said, it's not like the end part of it, like the final part. It's what's something, what's something that I can do, and theoretically, anybody who's listening, or even maybe yourselves, now that I'm making you think about it, like something that to just place you on the right path to get there. Maybe to write a little bit about your piece. Maybe you should write some articles or, or find people that will write articles about your piece, because all the big masterpieces have a lot of different point of view about them. You know, like. So maybe you need to write about them or others, so it will get will get a lot of meaning the small piece of art that you have. So yeah, I have a more uh, abstract sure <laughs> writer pieces. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm really believing in I'm a, in a fantasizing uh, specifically, so that you, we can fantasize about the stuff that will happen. But once we fantasize something very very specific, it might energetic I don't know. yeah put it out into the universe and it sort of happens yeah, basically but at okay. the same time it's really important to to forget about it as well and to understand that to want this specific illusion but to also realize that it's only an illusion and it's nothing and it's just an arbitrary thing that i chose yeah. like it's just yeah but those words have power those arbitrary things in our mind the the dream as an artist is always to like a, attain some level of recognition mm -hmm. whatever that level is everybody's levels individual you know like uh, of course and it, uh, this is something that's very interesting because i'm american okay and in america there we are taught that we can do anything mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's not true everywhere in the world not everybody is taught that yeah i was taught if you want to be an artist and have a retrospective of the guggenheim you can do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that true in Israel? Do they, is that sort of the mentality that like you can, you, you know, as an artist, you can choose to just be great and be the best in the world? No. I think success is very... People don't like success in Israel. No, I mean, not in art. Like the artists look at themselves in a very uh, nonchalant way. I mean, 
success is something that you really want to get away from and yeah <laughs> so in a way this is the environment somehow between the artists but still there is some artists that really look for success and they're seeking for I don't know it's getting back to the main points that yeah. we just started with like I see so many like some of my teachers that became like 40s, 50s, so they really, like, I, I sit with them and talk with them and all, all uh, what they have to speak of is just about how to success and how to sell more or whatever. And for me, it's a bit, I don't know, sad in a way because art is something that can exist for its own just because it's interesting you, first of all, and then maybe another one person and maybe another one but the seeking for success or for I don't know for this um, V's that I show in MoMA or whatever is just another V in, in, in the big term of life it's not I'm feeling very shallow right now but that's fine <laughs> I'm trying to say is that there is something beyond it because there is we have two friends 85 years old artist and when we sit with her so she's like I don't know she's she's doing it just for her own she's not showing her work in exhibition she's one of the top artists in Israel and she's staying at home she stayed for 10 years already and she keep on doing art maybe and she's changing all the time and She sent me a drawing once a day now. And her hands are like shaking and it's really like hard for her to do it. And like amazing works of art. I hope to die in my studio. Like mm-hmm. I never want to stop producing. <laughs> like some of my favorite art that's ever been produced was by people who didn't even see it as art. Mm-hmm. They, they, they simply produced because they couldn't not produce. Like they, they absolutely must be producing. Mm-hmm. for themselves yeah. like mm-hmm. there's a, a guy Henry Darger he's yeah, he's, you know, yeah. but this is our outside of artists I mean but I'm, well, I'm but, really but, speaking well, about artists that decide to ignore the system and I don't know and to engage with the system in different levels I think what you're doing here in the podcast is amazing it's I don't know for me you. it's better than the MoMA you know you engage with so many people and you're sharing your thought and yeah, listen to other people yeah and well I, I well one of the things like and you all even touched on it earlier is, is mm-hmm. like and actually like the, the fact that you all are a couple is mm-hmm. is one thing that like I find sort of very envious and very admirable because the one thing that I find most difficult in the arts community is finding a support network and, and you all get to be each other's support mm-hmm. network whereas most artists in the world are by themselves and And they're seeking some sort of validation or some sort of uh, confirmation that they're worthy whereas you all get to sort of do it to each other yeah I don't get way. that yeah um, I'm lonely mm. Mm-hmm. but uh, so maybe this is, <laughs> this is another question you think if you will show in the moment you will get it 
if you will be famous, you will get it. I don't know. Yeah, you will not be still lonely. Of I course, I will still be lonely. lonely. I yeah. talked with yeah. this one artist that represented uh, Israel in, in uh, Venice Biennale, and he told me this, that being uh, the representative of Israel was one of the loneliest experiences he ever had in the context of the art world in Israel because everyone was super jealous at you and you're like alone there and they don't get it that it's hard and you need like you had so many difficulties with money and whatever regarding this exhibition so we felt really really lonely and I think it's also these are the kind of conversations that I want people to hear Mm -hmm. because like I know that they occur I know they happen because Mm -hmm. I'm out here doing this podcast and I'm hearing all these things from people but I think that the the artist that's sitting in their studio right now listening to this podcast doesn't know that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we forget it all the time thank you very much for your time thank you thank you it was was amazing. amazing